This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. The executive order by President Trump back in June to restrict people from entering the country has received quite a bit of criticism, even with the coronavirus having an impact in the country. It was viewed by many as a way for the Trump administration to push forward efforts to restrict immigration to the U.S. The human element of this is an important story, but also important is looking at the economic impact of that move, and it is significant. Britta Glennon is Assistant Professor of Management at the Warren School. She was part of a new report by Brookings Institution about that side of the story, and she joins us right now. Britta, thank you very much for your time. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So the number that the headline number that you mentioned uh, talks about a hundred billion dollar impact from this move. Break down the data that that uh, that brought you to that level. Yeah, so what we did is we look at the cumulative average abnormal stock returns um, for Fortune 500 firms, right? And so what this does is it basically looks at, you know, the relationship between the value of a stock you'd expect and the stock's actual value because of this announcement, right? Mm -hmm. So what we find is that after this June executive order, and this June executive order um, banned the issuance of a number of work visas, right? Um, So after this executive order, um, we find that the market valuation of Fortune 500 companies dropped by about 0.45%, right? And if you basically then um, use that number and uh, multiply it by the market valuation of those firms the day before the executive order... Um, that ends up being a loss of $100 billion. And even with the pandemic in play, having those people here in the United States would have helped the companies, you know, stay, or or I should say maybe even improve their productivity levels over the last seven months. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, So this was not a um, pandemic-related move. These are, are skilled workers that these firms needed to be productive. I would th- I would think that there is a concern that if President Trump is reelected, that the potential and, and this move is supposed to go right now through the end of the year. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So I, I would think that the concern would be that the potential uh, of trying to continue this measure would be there if President Trump is, is reelected. Absolutely. Um, I think there's a, a very good chance that he would try to um, continue this ban for at least another year, if not longer. Um, and of course, you know, our study, um, which I should mention, you know, my great co-authors, Danny Bahar and Raj Chowdhury. Um, so in this study, right, we're looking at this immediate impact of stock returns. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of other work that's looking at sort of more long-term impact. And if this were to extend beyond this year, which it might if, if President Trump is reelected and chooses to do so, then you would see a much more significant long-term consequences. Um, So there's kind of this, you know, the short-term piece that we're finding here, the long-term piece, which has impacts on innovation of firms. um, And actually in in some of my other research shows that firms are actually likely to offshore if they are unable to get the skilled labor they need in the U.S. It seemed like when I when I was looking at the data on this, Britta, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the negative impact on, on the companies that you talk about on the Fortune 500 
really started the day after the executive order was signed into effect. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it really implies, right, that that investors recognize, you know, how important these workers are to firm productivity. And so there's this immediate response um, from, from investors and markets. Right. And, and there's obviously the understanding on Wall Street that that some of these companies would not be doing as well because of this loss component to their operations. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, so if they're unable to hire the, the top talent that they, that they need, um, then this kind of limits their um, ability to, frankly, to continue through this economic downturn and continue, you know, productivity and, and doing well. So those lo- so those losses that you talk about, they, they I assume, ha- have kind of multiplied as we have gone on since that executive order was signed, correct? Yeah. Um, so we, you know, we only look at kind of a, a window, a, sh- a fairly short window after that okay. date, because when you get too far out, it's harder to isolate which effects are directly responsive to that executive order. But between our research and other scholars who have looked at impacts on firms, um, it, it's pretty clear that this is not just a, you know, only for a few days afterwards type of right. effect. And this actually compound as, as time goes on. You also note that that really this becomes longer term. I mean, obviously, there's an economic impact, but really, this is a policy conversation as well uh, in terms of of where the country wants to go. And obviously, part of that may play out depending on who ends up being in office, because I can see that, you know, I can imagine that the Biden administration would not continue that order past December 31st uh, if they were if they were to go into office. Right. Yeah. So I'm, uh, you know, I don't believe that that uh, Vice President Biden has explicitly said what he would do, but at least based on, um, you know, his broader immigration platform, it seems unlikely that these would continue under his administration. Um, so it's very much, you know, a, an important component of uh, what the implications of the election could be. So you mentioned longer term impact. If you can take us into that a little bit about what elements and, and how much impact you could be potentially looking at with, with some of these companies. Yeah. So, um, you know, in the short term, firms don't have a lot of options, right? So in the short term, they're seeing this hit um, and they're immediately constrained, right? And so um, you you see this kind of in their valuations immediately. Mm -hmm. In the longer term, they kind of, they do have some other options for dealing with this. Um, And so, um, you know, I think the general discussion tends to be that, oh, well, in the longer term, they can hire Americans instead. There's not a whole lot of evidence supporting that view. Um, one other option that they have actually is just to hire workers, hire those those skilled immigrants at their foreign affiliates instead, right? And so um, in the longer run, you might see more and more firms adjusting uh, to this by just simply moving out of the U.S., that, uh, yeah, at least some of their operations. Yeah, that was going to be my question because, it, I mean, it's, it's certainly, I would imagine, fairly easy for a lot of these companies that may already have operations overseas to begin with to be able to shift some of this work and not have to worry about dealing with the uh, with this the impact of this executive order exactly yeah so um i've found that firms have already started doing this um in in some of my other research um 
And that was in response to much less restrictive uh, policies than the ones we're seeing right now. And so one would only expect these trends to accelerate. Take us into the the backstory, if you can, of the importance of doing this type of research and looking at it, because obviously, as I said at the top, part of this is is the story of the people involved in this, of, of not being able to come to the United States. But obviously, the economic impact is a, is a significant part to the story as well. Right, of course. So, um, you know, from a firm perspective, right, so firms are in the U.S. the ones who actually request the uh, skilled work visas, right? And so they, you know, they'll put out a job posting, um, and more often than not, um, the the most the the you know the list of people who who apply to their job and who make it through the final round. A lot of times, these are, are skilled immigrants, right? And the best person for the job is a skilled immigrant. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, human capital is probably the most important component of what uh, makes firms successful. And so they really want to get the best. Um, And if they're not able to get the best, they're not able to hire kind of the top candidate for the job if they're an immigrant. Um, Going for the second best or third best or fourth best, right, um, can be really problematic for the firm. It can have significant impacts for their innovation abilities, um, yeah. for their competitiveness, et cetera. And so at a certain point, um, they have to basically evaluate, um, you know, does the U.S. have a system that allows them to hire the best or do they have to go to another country that's going to allow them to hire the top human capital, which is what you need to stay competitive as a firm. This is a very competitive global economy, right? Um, right. And to stay competitive, you need the top talent. Britta, thanks very much for your time. All the best to you. You as well. Thank you. Thank you. Britta Glennon, who is Assistant Professor of Management at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.